and welcome to Beyond the Shelf with OPL. We're very excited again for you to join us. I am Jenny. And I am Dawn. This month, we wanted to narrow in on a topic that is near and dear to both of us, and that is adaptations and retellings of books into movies and TV shows. We, at least I, love reading a book and then watching the movie and then basically tearing it apart. <laughs> <laughs> and it is, it's definitely in that order, reading the book and then watching the movie. Usually. There are times that I have seen the movie first, and there are at least two books, no, I'm sorry, two movies that I prefer over the books, which is very rare, mm. and I can talk about those, but mostly it's always books, 98% of the time, books over movies. So I think last time I had mentioned that I had watched Coraline several times, but had never read the book. So that's that's one of those instances where it happens in the other order, where you do the movie first and then the book. And definitely for me, Lord of the Rings was one of those. I actually wasn't even interested in the movies, but one of my high school friends dragged me to it. And I like instantly fell in love with the Fellowship of the Ring. And it wasn't actually until years later that I read any Tolkien, but definitely like it's a it's a it's a same amount of love for both formats for me. I think that that's fair. I think Lord of the Rings, it would be more of an exception to the rule of book being better than the movie because that was so well done. Now, not, and it was made into three movies. Of course, it is three books as well. Mm -hmm. But it's when you try to take an 800-page book and put it into 120 minutes, so much gets lost. And it oh, just yeah. does not work that well. And that's like the ideal thing is you want the filmmakers to put like every detail that made the book so great into a movie. And how do you do that? I don't know. We are not filmmakers. Obviously. <laughs> but I can tell you a couple that have done very well. And that would be S.E. Hinton's The Outsiders. I grew up watching that movie. It's way before your time. It was the 80s. What can I say? <laughs> but it was a great movie. It had like Tom Cruise in it and Emilio Estevez and all of my heartthrobs from the 80s. But I read the book just fairly recently, just within the last couple of years, and I had never read the book. And it quoted so much from the book with the movie, almost verbatim, and it was fantastically done. So that one I really do appreciate. Hmm. That's that's awesome. The book isn't always better. There are very tiny exceptions for the movie being better. That's true. One of those would be Warm Bodies. I don't remember the author. I loved the movie. Absolutely loved the movie. And then when I read the book, I was a little bit let down, not going to lie. It's a zombie movie. It's a feel-good zombie movie. It's kind of weird. Not <laughs> it really is. But I really liked the movie a lot. And I was kind of disappointed when I read the book after and seeing the movie. I have to say you just blew my mind because I did not know Warm Bodies was a book. <laughs> I just looked it up. The author is Isaac Marion. And I did see the movie because I have a thing about zombies. It's one of my interests. <laughs> Me too. That's amazing. <laughs> I did not know that. Oh, yeah. And so, like, I had seen the movie. I had no idea it was a book. So Warm Bodies by Isaac Marion is apparently described as a zombie romance, which is a genre that we all need in our <laughs> lives, maybe. Absolutely. <laughs> and the other one, which incidentally is also a zombie movie, was World War Z. 
I loved World War Z, but the book, basically the book is titled World War Z. It is nothing like the movie, not even a little bit. And so that was very odd to me. And maybe I would have liked the book better if I didn't go in with the expectation of it being like the movie because I had seen the movie first, which is Brad Pitt. You know, you kind of you can't go wrong with Brad Pitt, I guess. I don't know. He's not my favorite. Some of my friends are like, they love him. I think he's okay. He's no George Clooney. <laughs> but I do really, I love World War Z, the movie, and the book felt a little flat for me. Have you read the book or seen the movie? I think I bought the book secondhand from a thrift store. I don't know that I've cracked it open. It's one of those like ambitions to one day read, but the book is thick. It is. It's big. Um, and my understanding is it's a lot of like detail and like numbers. If I don't know. There's a lot. It's almost like an interview type of thing mm. that goes on and on. <laughs> And, and on. on. <laughs> so I was kind of disappointed in the book. And like I said, I I would love to get your opinion on it once you read it and see. It's only by title that, in my opinion, that the movie and the book share. Okay. That's it. That was my understanding before. So you just kind of confirmed that. So recently, Where the Crawdads Sing was made into a movie. I have not seen the movie I've not read the book but it is a very popular book I think it was one of our book club books in the past so I'm gonna go ahead and guess you have read Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens I have read it and the reason I read it actually was it was one of Reese Witherspoon's book club books and I read it and I loved it it was definitely a five-star read for me I loved the um, characters I I love mysteries, which are obviously plot-driven books. But if I can get a good character-driven book, that and I and I fell in love with that. I fell in love with the characters of Where the Crawdads Sing, and that makes a huge difference to me. If I can't connect with the characters, I'm not usually enjoying the book. But I thought this was really done. I mean, there's some far-fetched things to it because I'm not going to give spoilers away, but it does t- kind of talk about a five-year-old being on their own at, like, five years old. And so that's kind of hard to swallow but I do believe that there probably are children that are abandoned at a rather young age as of right now when we're recording this Rotten Tomatoes has not given it a very good review (laughs) but audience reviews are pretty high so you know when I look at Rotten Tomatoes and different things like that I always want to see what the audience Mm -hmm. thinks over the critics I seldom agree with the critics I yeah very rarely do we ever line up in our tastes in books or movies. Mm-hmm. I like to see what the general pop set thinks because those are those are my people. Those are the people that are going to watch it and give an honest opinion on it without it being this whole has to be this whole cinematic experience or whatever. It just has to be a good film or a good book. <laughs> so to jump back over to the zombies conversation, <laughs> um one author whose books have been told and retold and adapted literally hundreds of times is Jane Austen. Mm -hmm. And I say zombies because Pride and Prejudice and zombies, which I adored. I just love how the author, oh, what's his name? Seth Graham Smith. He like incorporated and changed the characters enough just to be like, instead of the girl, the Bennett sisters having that like proper etiquette, they're like, 
attraction for suitors is that they can fight zombies. I just love it so much. Have you read all of them? It's like a series of three, I believe. Mm -hmm. I've only read the first one. And it makes me, it did bring me joy, but it made me laugh too, because there are absolutely direct quotes from Pride and Prejudice in it, in that, which was one of my favorite mo- um, sorry, books. I love Jane Austen. And I was reading an article once about what would Jane Austen think about this adaptation? And they said they think that she would have loved it because she was really ahead of her time and she probably really would have appreciated the Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Sounds ridiculous, I know. I think there's a movie called Abraham Lincoln. Vampire Vamp- Hunter? Yes, which also sounds ridiculous. but Which is also one of <laughs> Seth Graham Smith's books. And then the, there's another one in that series it's called Unholy Night, and I think it's like an Arabian Nights retelling. Oh. Yeah. I, I love the idea of, like, those classic historical figures, fiction or nonfiction, and then, like, putting them into that supernatural element is just, it brings, we're both sitting here grinning. It just brings joy to take, you know, something that's a little weird, a little goofy, and put it in that classic story that you know. I agree. And it's just, and it's fun. I mean, you have to suspend reality. You have to do that with a lot of reading anyhow, but it's just, it is, it's silly and it's fun and it can be lighthearted. Obviously killing zombies probably doesn't come across as real lighthearted, but um, if it's something that you don't do in your normal life, I don't know what you do on the weekends, Dawn, but I'm assuming you don't go zombie hunting. So it is fun to just, to, to, delve into those sort of things Mm -hmm. so I I had to look it up because I wanted to know like we we all can think of a Jane Austen book title off the top of our heads but I had to look up like how many adaptations are there actually and what I found is that there are literally over 100 authors some of them have written more than one book that is some adaptation or variation of a Jane Austen title and if vampires are your thing you can have Darcy be a vampire if you really want to read that kind of thing. One of the interesting YA ones, young adult YA, um, is one called Pride by E.B. Zaboy. And the Bennett sisters are all, they live in the inner city. And so it takes that, that same concept but puts it into more a more modern setting. And it's, it's fun and different. And I really enjoy how authors like stretch our imaginations in that way I have not read a whole lot of adaptations I did read the Pride and Prejudice and Zombies I know that there have been a lot of adaptations of uh, Agatha Christie Mm -hmm. which I don't know how I feel about that because she's probably my all-time favorite author and she is called the Queen of Suspense for a reason and she was brilliant and so rewriting her stuff I don't know if I would appreciate it the way I'm supposed to (laughs) because I just loved her so much Uh, so I'm not sure I haven't read a lot of adaptations of her but I know a lot have been done Mm -hmm. of her you have any thoughts on the film adaptations of some of her things that have come out recently um death on the Nile yeah I saw it (laughs) there okay so death on the Nile great book of course, and I do like Hercule Poirot, although Miss Marple's my favorite Agatha Christie character. Um, Death on the Nile got a little weird to me, and I'll, I'm going to tell you why. The beginning of it, it takes place in a club, like in the 40s, 
And they do like this whole little dirty dancing scene that I was like, no, no, <laughs> I'm sorry. That is so ridiculous. That would that didn't even jive with what Agatha Christie's book was. And it just didn't even make any sense to me. And they had this whole part with Hercule Poirot um, with his like kind of falling in love with somebody and like it had this thing about his mustaches and it's like this was never in any of her books I don't know I just think that sometimes artistic license just goes too far and I was very disappointed in the movie Death on the Nile okay all right (laughs) someday I'll tell you how I really feel about it hot takes from Jenny today now we really enjoyed my husband and I listened to the audiobook of Murder on the Orient Express uh, and literally, when the book ended, you got to the whole conclusion, the big reveal, and we sat in silence for several minutes because we were, it was totally unexpected, which just speaks to Agatha Christie's like total talent and everything. And seeing, there have been several film ad- adaptations mm-hmm. of Murder on the Orient Express. Um, I think the only one that I've seen was the most recent one that had um, Kenneth Branagh as Paro. Uh, but Johnny Depp and Johnny Depp was the victim, right? I don't remember. I'm pretty sure Johnny Depp was the victim. Yeah. (laughs) I just remember being absolutely stunned at the end of that book. I agree. I think that's probably my favorite, uh, Agatha Christie book. And it was that one. And then, um, and then there were none. Mm -hmm. Those Mm -hmm. are just brilliant. They're so good. She's just, she was amazing. Anyhow, I know that there's been other um, adaptations of movies. Um, I think uh, like Jane Eyre, that's been redone Mm -hmm. a whole bunch of times. Let me think. Okay, so that's what it was. Charlotte Bronte, there was a new book that just came out fairly recently called The Wife Upstairs. Mm -hmm. And it was supposed to be a, let me tell you, loose adaptation of Jane Eyre. The Wife Upstairs was okay. If you are going, you need to separate it though, because if you are expecting a Jane Eyre, I think you'll be disappointed. <laughs> okay, so it's just like here's the general idea of Jane Eyre, and let me just pretend or not pretend. I don't want to insult the author, but like take that general idea and then make a whole new story. Yeah, it just wasn't. It felt a little flat for me. Mm-hmm. Now that author was Rachel Hawkins, and I would probably read her again. I don't like to write off um, authors. <laughs> write them off I don't like to do that um on my first go around I like to give them a second chance so I would probably read her again mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and see but uh, the wife upstairs wasn't wasn't a favorite it didn't do it for you no okay do you do or read much uh Doyle Sherlock Holmes fan at all you know I always have meant to <laughs> but I really honestly I've only read a couple of mm-hmm. his um and I did I did like Sherlock Holmes. The I can't remember what I read now. It was something with the number four. <laughs> I think it's the sign of four. Yes, I think that was mm-hmm. it. I did read that one, and I found it highly interesting because I did not know that Sherlock Holmes was, like, addicted to cocaine. And so he would use that to – and then he would have, like, all these revelations. And so I found, I found that very mm-hmm. interesting because I didn't know that. That was new information to me when I read that. My favorite tidbit about Sherlock Holmes is that – Sir Arthur Conan Doyle didn't actually like the character and he tried to kill him off but fans were so like enthralled they were like no Sherlock lived you have to tell us what happened that he he brought him back um and it's I think it's such 
like Sherlock Holmes is almost like ingrained into our culture Mm -hmm. that like if somebody were we have like the like obviously Sherlock kind of phrasing that we say when somebody like realizes something there's like these classics that we just have become so much a part of our culture um and there have been several different Sherlock Holmes adaptations so like into movies the Robert Downey Jr. one which I've not seen I think it looks like at least from what the trailers that it kind he kind of plays Sherlock as like a little bit goofier um a light-hearted Sherlock Holmes is is a different take for sure yeah I would agree with that um there was one I think my kids watched it maybe you know it was on PBS and it was about a dog do you know what I'm talking about? There was he was definitely was like, it the Hounds of Baskerville? No, 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 no. It was a children's. It was a children's. Are you thinking of Wishbone? Yes, Wishbone. Ah. I'm. I would consider that like a shirt because he didn't. He like ha- he dressed up like Sherlock. Mm-hmm. That was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. I just thought of that. Um, that was in the '90s. Yeah, that was a long. You know, I I saw this meme the other day that somebody said somebody mentioned something that happened 30 years ago, and my mind went straight to the '70s, and I realized they meant 1990. And then I got to lay down and take a nap because that's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. One of my favorite Sherlock adaptations is BBC's Sherlock with uh, Benedict Cumberbatch as Sherlock Holmes. I really enjoyed that. And that's where I really got to know the actors from that show. I got to know them watching that and then seeing them in other things. Both of them, interestingly, got to be in The Hobbit. So getting to see the characters that way and how just how everybody plays the characters differently um, or their interpretation of what the authors originally meant is really great. And recently, I don't know if you've seen Enola Holmes. Yes, on yes. Netflix. Yes. So I really liked it. That's actually an adaptation from a book too. Mm-hmm. That's a children's series, which is so great. And I think it's more playful being that it is a children's series. So you still get like the Holmes like deduction and everything but it's more playful and obviously child friendly you mentioned the hobbit so as a since you're a fan obviously of lord Mm -hmm. of the rings and the hobbit have you read the hobbit book i have and so and you saw the movie i'm assuming so which movies i which i thought was ridiculous that they took one book and made it into three movies but i never i never watched the movies so Mm -hmm. i want to know what your opinion is um So I think it's a Hollywood thing, you know, that they were like, there are three Lord of the Rings movies, so we're going to take this other Tolkien thing and we're going to make three epic films out of it as well. And I do, I do really feel like they drew it out because the Hobbit itself is very short. (laughs) He's a Hobbit. Of course he's short. (laughs) That pun was not intended, but it was beautiful. I am now proud. Yeah. So the book was short. Um, and it was, it's a great read. A lot of people will read that to their kids. Uh, it's not too scary for that, but the movies, I definitely think that like they really did put the Hobbit on steroids in order to make three epic films out of it. That's my opinion. Yeah. I loved the Hobbit book, Lord of the Rings. To be honest, I never even finished the third one. I read the first two and then I don't know when you have to take three pages to describe a tree that's just too much for me I need I need more I personally love trees I have a statue of tree beard on my desk right now Jenny is laughing so Lord of the Rings is just my favorite I know that there's a couple of other books that have just been turned into a slash movie or 
streaming. Mm-hmm. Well, and I've watched um, The Terminalist by Jack Carr. It's on Amazon Prime right now. And it stars Chris Pratt. I read the book because I saw it was coming out. As soon as I see something's coming out and it's based on a book, I tried to read the book. So I read the book and then I watched the show and I really liked it. It is not, if you have any kind of weak stomach, it has probably one of the most um, graphic death scenes I have ever seen in a movie. And I've watched a lot of movies. So that might be something you want to avoid, but honestly, I really like the Terminalist, and it's on Amazon. Um, and then my daughter and I just watched The Gray Man, and it's a book by Mark Greeny, and I have not read that book yet, but the Netflix movie is really good, and it stars Ryan Gosling. And you So know, that's like automatically like three stars at least, you know, right? A little bit of eye candy while you're watching this serious movie. It doesn't hurt. So yeah, it was it was a really mm-hmm. good movie. So there's a couple of teen books that have been translated into shows. Um, right now, Heartstopper, which is by Alice Oseman, um, is on Netflix. And that is um, a couple of novels that they've turned into a TV series. Another one that was really popular was the um, Jenny Han, To All the Boys I've Loved Before. Mm-hmm. Um, and she wrote three or four books that translated into really popular, uh, I believe, TV series on Netflix. Of course, upcoming, I'm super pumped about, um, uh, is The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power on uh, Amazon Prime. I watched the trailer and I was like so pumped up just to watch it. Sometimes when you see that trailer, like it gets your heart, your your heart going, your blood pumping. You're like excited for it to see the characters that you were familiar with before and they're being like shown in a whole new light. I'm... I'm really excited about that. That is how I felt when I saw that episode seven of Star Wars was coming out because it showed um, Harrison Ford and Chewbacca. And I think he has sees this, says this one thing, Chewie, we're home. I was so excited and I was so thrilled. And then I found out how it ended and yeah, didn't watch it. That was not for you. <laughs> nope. Uh, yeah, yeah. So next, we would like to share the last few interviews from our artist festival. First, we have Jenny talking with Sam Scheller. Sam is a retired teacher and a local potter. All right, so I'm talking to Sam Scheller. Yes. Thanks for being here today. Happy Um, to be here. Sam has the most beautiful pottery, and it's just gorgeous. Thank you. So, Sam, I'd like to ask you, how did you get into throwing pottery? Well, I started at Ashton College in 65. I took my first pottery class in 66, so I've been doing it 56 years. That's amazing. And uh, Miss Miller was my first teacher. I still remember her. And it was in a very small little building from World War II. They called them little Quonset huts. So it was a very small building, but it had everything we needed. I started a small Amico stand-up kick wheel and a small uh, treadle wheel, stand-up treadle wheel. So I was always standing up. Back then I could do that pretty easily. So I had, that's my main thing. But of course we had to start off doing, the very first project we had to go dig our own clay and make a pinch pot. Did you say you had to dig your own clay? You had to go dig, go to the creek and and dig your own clay and make a pinch pot. Wow. So when I taught for 40 years at Smithville, they had to go down to the creek in Smithville and dig their own clay and and wow. make a pinch pot. 
So you mentioned so, Smithville. Is that where you... I taught there are. 40 years. Okay. Yeah. Do you live in Smithville or do you live No, I've here? lived in Orville 54 years. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. So, um, Sam, do you have like at home, do you have a kiln and everything now that you do at home? Or? Uh, not now, I don't. I did, but when I taught, I could use the sure. kiln at school. And I have, for 32 years, I've been at the Smithville Community Historical Society, and we have a kiln there. Okay, so if anybody would want to contact you about your pottery, how would they go about doing that? Just probably come to the Smithville Community Historical Society, because I don't have my own shop. Okay. Uh, and I'm not teaching anymore. I've taught for really full time for 20 years and part time for 15 years. So I'm not teaching. And the only place I have to work is at the Smithville Historic Society. So that's the best place to, uh, best to, place to, find, to, to find me. And All right. So, Sam, one question that we're asking everyone yeah. since this is a library Are you currently reading anything right now? Or what is your favorite book that you recommend to people? Well, I'd have to say over the years, uh, lots of pottery books, uh, Stramix Monthly, just having taught, you know, my textbooks that I've used over the 40 years that I've taught, actually 50 years now. So anything to do with pottery making, of course, I taught photography for 40 years also. So photography books and magazines and anything to do with art. Art history. I taught art history for 40 years. Wow. So anything to do with art history. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here, yeah. Sam. Yeah. And we thank look you. forward to what you're going to be bringing in the future. Thank you. Thank you. The next two artists are both painters. Amy Slaybaugh, whose website can be found in the episode description, and Tia Dozy-Smith, who is also an author. I am in awe of your paintings here. These are so gorgeous. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about how you got into painting, how you got into this art? Um, well, I've been painting for most of my life, but it's just kind of been the last 10 years that I had the time and um, kind of the means to get into it more seriously. Um, I didn't take any you know, professional lessons or anything, so I'm mostly self-taught. Um, it's just something that I've always loved to do. So, um, and are these acrylic or I'm guessing? Um, those are oil. Um, the ones in the front are watercolor, and then these two are acrylic. So, we were talking to another painter who said that there's a lot of different technique to going between these styles. Do you find it like easy to transition or? Um, I actually don't do a lot of acrylic anymore, so I mostly switched over to oil and watercolor. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, each medium has its own. Um, you know, skill set that it needs in order to make it work. Is there anything that gives you particular inspiration? Mostly nature, as you can probably tell by my paintings. Um, yes, I like soft colors. I like moody colors. Um, and sometimes I will just see something and know instantly that I want to paint it. So I see some like mountains and forests. Are you from an area where these are or are you from around Wayne County? I'm local, but mm -hmm. I like to travel mm -hmm. and I like to, um, you know, take pictures when I do travel so that I can remember what mm -hmm. I see. Sure. And you have a calendar here. Is this all of your, your paintings on the calendar as well? Yes. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. Um, 
so if anybody was interested in in getting any of your art or contacting you how would they do you have a social media or a phone number or anything i do there's um i have a website and a phone number on my card okay very good uh, of course, you know, we are standing here right next to the fiction section. So we're asking all of our artists, what are you reading right now? Or do you have a favorite book? Um, I am an avid reader, so I have a lot of favorites. But currently I am reading um, The Dream Giver by Bruce Wilkinson, I believe. Mm -hmm. So that, that's what I'm reading right now. It's Very really good. good. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. Sure. Our final artist interview is with Dennis Lip. Dennis has been creating art for several decades, and he was just a blast to talk to. So here's our interview with Dennis. So nice to meet you, Dennis. Nice and to meet you ladies, too. Thank you. We're so glad that you're here today. We were both immediately impressed when we walked up. You have this one very large painting. Yes. And uh, what kind of... Uh, paint is this acrylic or it's oils it's oil oil on canvas i obviously have no idea that's okay no they look very similar sure no problem okay uh the reason why i chose oils on this um oils tend to be uh more pronounced looking when you're finished um, um kind of have a a bolder look to them uh, it, it takes a lot for acrylics to get to that point, so I use oils, and it's, it has more depth of color to it. Mm -hmm. Do you find that you can like express what you want with oils better? Uh, either one, no, either, either not one. Necessarily. Uh, this okay. one right here is acrylic, mm -hmm. and so um, you know I, I like both mediums. So, how long have you been painting? I've been painting for probably, let's see, I'm 62. So, I've painted since I was 11. So, you could do the math, I guess that's 51 years. I that guess. sounds like good math to me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm never a good artist. I'm, a, I'm never a good mathematician. Mm -hmm. um, so, how big is this? Piece? First of all, the painting is six feet across by mm -hmm. 40 inches high. Uh, one of the bigger ones that I've ever painted. Um, I've done murals bigger. I mm -hmm. mean, I, I did a 35-foot mural for uh, Six Flags. Um, but um, as far as murals, um, uh, as far as paintings that are for, um, like, hanging galleries, um, this is about one of the bigger ones that I've ever done. Mm -hmm. uh, it took me 16 years. Um, I started in 2004 and finished it in 2020. And... Um, I put in almost 3,000 hours. Um, this is talking about the book of Revelation. Okay. And it's talking about the things that I believe are going to happen on the earth. And, and it's God's warning to an unbelieving world. Just uh, looking at each of the, the small uh, parts of, of this big painting to see, you know, how that could connect to different things. If yes. you're like reading about and... That's a lot of time and, and thought and definitely a passion to put into yes, it was. Yes. To making something like this. Um, so I was going to ask you. Yes. Are you local from the area? Yes, I live in Kidron. Okay, very good. And if anybody were interested in any of your pieces, where would they be able to find you on I, social media or yes, elsewhere? Yes, I, I have three websites. Mm -hmm. um, one of them is Peace Like a River uh, dash fine art. Um, and the other one is the other two are dennislip.com or peace like a river fine art 
straight through. It doesn't have a dash. Okay. <laughs> and lip is L-I-P-P. Yes. Very good. Yes. Okay. So since we are standing in the library, we've asked all of our artists if there's anything particular you're reading right now or any favorite books that you have that you'd like to share. Oh, isn't that interesting in the library? <laughs> um, yeah, that's a good question to ask. Uh, probably it would... <laughs> It, it, it would be sounding very weird to the library what I have been reading. Let me see. One of them is I've been reading a book on dementia because my mom has dementia. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, but the second book I've been reading is it's entitled What Demons Can Do to Christians. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's the name mm -hmm. of the book. What Demons Can Do to Christians. I read a lot of books at the same time. A lot of people yeah, do. Yeah, and so um, I'm trying to think of any others that that's the, those that's are on my coffee table, okay. All right. you know, if you will, or my uh, nightstand. Right. Well, thank you so much for talking with us and for being here today. Thank you so much, ladies. You've been very kind to me. Thank you for giving me the time. Let's talk a little bit about some of our programs that we have coming up here at the library. Exciting news. This year for 2023 cookbook club is back in session they will be meeting january 9th at 6 p.m the cookbook that they will be using is half baked harvest by tegan gerard and the the regular book club where you don't cook from a cookbook uh <laughs> is reading the dictionary of lost words by pip williams their first meeting of the year is on january 12th and they're at 10 30 a.m and 6 30 p.m Coffee and Crafts is meeting again on January 17th, and registration is open for both Coffee and Crafts and Book Club. We will have Teen Book Box registration starting on January 16th, and that goes through the 28th, and that is to pick up book boxes in February. Children's Winter Storytime registration is open now. This is a six-week session. It starts on January 16th, and we have story times for babies all the way up through pre-K. And, of course, we're also very excited for our winter reading program, which goes through the whole month of January from the 1st to the 31st. We are going to be using Beanstack for that, so if you have a Beanstack profile, you can use the app or uh, log your reading online. We also have paper log sheets. And winter reading is for all ages. We have programs for children where they can read and earn prizes. And teens and adults earn prize entries, so chances to win some, some cozy winter prizes. So bundle up with a good book and join our winter reading program. Jenny, do you have any fun things to wrap up with today? <laughs> well, I just think that as we've talked about all these movies and these books, it's a great time to come in to the library and check them out or you can uh, go online of course a lot of these movies are streaming or you can go to the theater and watch one of these movies but but the most important thing is that you always read the book whether you read it before or after the movie don't forget to read the book because that's the most important thing reading I think isn't it? <laughs> for sure. For sure. For sure. So we want to thank you so much for listening to uh, Beyond the Shelf with OPL. Uh, I'm Dawn. And I'm Jenny. And we uh, hope to see you at the library soon.